Father, we want to thank you. We want to bless you for the joy of fellowship, the beauty of it that we can gather together, Lord, in your name. You said to us, you promised us that wherever two or three, they gather in your name, you are there. And so tonight, um, we believe with all our hearts that you are right here in this place. You are right here on this call with all of us, Father, because we are more than two, we are more than three, and we are gathered in your name. It's a beauty to gather in your name. Father, we are asking tonight, Lord, that you will grant us the eloquence of the word, that I will speak your word, pure, simple word. I pray that you will touch my hearers, touch their minds, mighty God, that they will also be able to receive this word and they will be blessed by this word tonight. Father, we are praying that every benefit every dividend that must accrue, Lord, to your people tonight because of this word, Lord, that that dividend will surely come to bless our lives. We cancel every kind of demonic interference, any way in which Satan is trying desperately to prevent this word from coming. Lord, we crush it in the name of Jesus. Father, we are praying that, Lord, it is going to be an amazing time with you tonight. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you. For we have prayed all of this in the matchless name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, with thanksgiving. And all the saints shall say, Amen. Last week, I shared a message with us. I titled that message, I love them that love me. And the big text was from Revelations chapter 3, uh, reading through from the 14th to the 19th uh, verses. And we saw in that scripture a situation with one particular church that was the church of Laodicea the Laodicean church Jesus basically was saying that they were a lukewarm church a lukewarm church and that what he will do in the final analysis if there was not, no change in their attitude, he will spew them out of his mouth. And he said in very plain words, I love them that love me. I love them that love me. And that became the, 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 um, the text that we um, focused on. Proverbs 8, verse 17. Um, it's not on, your, on the slides tonight, but I'm just reading it. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. So it is that I love them that love me that we uh, focused on. He said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten them. That was 
Jesus speaking to the Laodicean church. Tonight, I want to dig a little deeper. There was a portion of that message which the Lord prompted me about it as I was preaching last week. And um, I was trying to do something else, but my attention was taken back to it. The Laodicea was an ancient city built on the river Lycus. Uh, it later became the Roman province of Phrygia, is uh, part of Pakatiana, um, and it's now situated near the modern uh, city of Denzli in uh, Turkey. That's where it is, Denizli, Denizli in Turkey. This is the Laodicean church. Now, it was the last out of seven churches that Jesus addressed, you know, in the revelation that was given to the, uh, the, the beloved uh, disciple, uh, apostle uh, John, on the island of Patmos. And uh, Jesus addressed seven churches, and this was the very last church. And um, uh, it was not uh, out of, um, it was not something arbitrary that uh, it was the last church. Now, this was the only church for which Jesus had no words of praise at all. He had no words of praise. If you look at all the other churches that he, he spoke uh, or addressed in this uh, uh, vision, um, he had a word of praise and then he had a rebuke. But when it came to the Laodicean church, he had no word of praise at all for the Laodicean church. No word of praise at all. It was rebuke rebuke. Indeed, it was the most strident um, rebuke that he had uh, for, for, for this church. And, and so uh, I, I think they, they, we, it's important that we zero in on this church and learn more about what the church was like and why Jesus was strident about uh, uh, in his uh, commentary, uh, you know, uh, uh, about this church. Um, basically, we learn from Jesus' assessment that the Laodicean church was lukewarm. It was lukewarm. Um, we could also describe them as smug and self-satisfied. When I say smug, smug is, a, is a, a small English word, but I think it describes what I am uh, trying to um, glean from the scripture here. It says, having or showing an excessive pride in oneself or one's achievement. When you have excessive pride Everybody has a measure of pride in themselves when they achieve one thing or the other. We are all proud of ourselves. In, in, but this, the, 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 what I'm calling smug or what is called smug 
is excessive pride in oneself or one's achievement. Now, this was the, the, the church of Laodicea. They were lukewarm. They were neither hot, they were not cold, they were somewhere in the middle in all that they did as a church. And they were self-satisfied, you know. Uh, they looked at themselves and they felt they were... They, 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 they had arrived, they, 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 they were okay, they, they lacked nothing, so they were self-satisfied. Uh, it was a trading city, and so there was a lot of opportunity in that city, uh, and, and, and I'm sure that um, there were wealthy people in that church, and so the church, you know, physically, um, they lacked nothing. Maybe it's one of the big churches in, in, in Ghana here today, maybe it's like them, they look like them, you know, they had everything going, maybe when they go to church, the weather is warm, there's air conditioning, there's, uh, you know, uh, you know, they sit in, in, in nice places, they have nice facilities, they've got a, a huge choir singing, you know, everything is really, really beautiful, and so they felt really good about themselves. Now, they boasted about their wealth, uh, you know, uh, and said they needed nothing. That, that was uh, something that was uh, very remarkable that they were doing that. And I, I, I see this church um, very close to a, a lot of churches, you know, in, in, in our modern era. In fact, the whole church in this modern era is a very comfortable church. If you compare uh, to churches under trees, churches in the bush, churches uh, living in caves. If you go to Rome uh, during the persecution, uh, the church was literally living in caves, underground caves. They are called catacombs. And, and, and these, uh, 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 the church was living in, in those kinds of conditions because they were being uh, hounded and, and they would be killed when they were found. Uh, but this church was very comfortable and they boasted of their wealth and, and needed nothing and so on. Now, in spiritual terms, however, all this wonderful facade, this wonderful look on the outside was totally the reverse according to Jesus. In his address, he said that it was a wretched church, wretched church. It means they had nothing good going for them. They were pitiable. They were poor. They were blind and naked. This is how the Lord described that church. That they were wretched. You see, they were thinking they, they had wealth. But Jesus, in his analysis, saw them as having only temporary riches. Riches that would not endure even for 50 years. Perhaps maybe some gold articles could go to 100 years or something. But nothing more than that. And, and, and in, on Jesus' scale, he could see you know, others who were much, much ahead of, of this church. And that's why they were at the bottom of, or, or in that order there. And he said they were wretched. And he said they were pitiable. So that when you see them, it's, it's like the way we will see uh, somebody very poor, you know, some of the beggars who sit by the road 
in, in the sun all day. Uh, you you wonder why they should be there. Sometimes even in the night, you see them sitting there. It's raining and they are hanging. You know, they are pitiable. This is how the church, this church of Laodicea looked like. They were pitiable. They were poor. Jesus describes them as poor. When they looked at themselves and felt that they were rich, Jesus said they were poor. And he said they were blind. You know, a blind person is somebody who cannot see with their eyes. Obviously, these people had eyes. So all of these descriptions, all of these adjectives that Jesus was you know, putting down, they were the, the way they looked spiritually. If you had a spiritual eye and you could see that church spiritually, this is how they looked like. They, looked, they, they were blind and, and they were naked, naked, naked. Now, Jesus urged this church to turn to him, inviting whoever heard his voice to open the door and welcome him. Now, this was his response to the church's own smart self-assessment. And Jesus, the counselor, remember that Jesus is the counselor. He counsels with wisdom. Here is a counsel that he gave. Revelations 3.18. Let's see that slide. Revelations 3.18 because I want to uh, focus on this. This is the central part of my message uh, for us tonight. He said, I counsel thee. See, Jesus made the assessment. He looked at them, what they thought of themselves, and then what he thought of the church. Now he's counseling them. And the counsel is what I think is very, very important because many of us in our own lives may look like the church of Laodicea in one way or the other. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. That's number one. To buy of me gold tried in the fire. Why should you buy gold tried in the fire? He said, that thou mayest be rich. Because he had classified them amongst the poor and, to be, and, 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 and amongst those to be pitied. So God desired that they would be rich. Church, I came to tell you something, that God actually desires that we will be rich. But his idea of rich, his idea of wealth, is not the same idea that we have of wealth. He says, to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. And then he says, and, so that's a conjunction, in addition to buying the gold so that you will be rich, white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. Remember that he had said that they were naked. So white raiment that they may be clothed. And then and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Remember when man fell in the garden of Eden, they were naked. And God actually had to kill an innocent lamb, took the skin 
of that land. He shed blood, took the skin of that uh, 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 land and used it to make some aprons for Adam and Eve to cover their nakedness so that their nakedness does not appear. These people evidently were living in nakedness. And this is very much like the state of fallen man. And so, in other words, this was a church which was supposed to be, be, be in Christ. But this church was literally fallen away. They had returned to their old ways. They were like Adam after the fall because they were naked. That's what Jesus is saying, literally. And they needed, you know, to be covered. And he was counseling them, you know. And he said also, uh, anoint thine eyes with our south that thou mayest see. I saw that now in Laodicea, Laodicea at that time was uh, very important for an eye salve. They, they used to make some eye ointment or, or eye drop that was used to cure several eye uh, uh, diseases, infections, what have you. Uh, and um, uh, they were also a country that, or a, a, a city that produced a lot of wool. And so they had, they were making garments there, you see. So you see, the, the, the choice of words was also very uh, aligned to their actual physical uh, um, uh, situation, you know. Um, tonight, I want to really. There are three things, obviously, that we can see here. Gold tried in the, in, in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. White raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that thy shame, that the shame of thy nakedness does not appear. And then the eyes, that you anoint your eyes so that you might see. So there are three very important things that Jesus was counseling them about. And tonight, I will just take the first one, which is, Gold tried in fire. Dwell on it, and then we will end nicely. And then um, next week we will look at the white raiment uh, uh, that they will be clothed, uh, that the the shame of their nakedness does not appear. And then we will finally look at the anointing of thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. These are all. Uh, statements that have very deep meanings, okay? Um, Jesus was obviously not saying that he was going to sell them uh, uh, gold uh, and that, you know, they should come and buy his gold. That was not what Jesus was driving at. He had a more, uh, uh, a deeper, more important way that he was uh, uh, counseling them to buy of him. Um, let's look at uh, a scripture. Um, it's right there on your screen already. Uh, it's First uh, Peter 1 verse 7. He says, Jesus is advising them to buy pure gold from him. But let's look at the Apostle Peter, how he describes faith. Um, 1 Peter 1 verse 7 says that that the trial of your faith, 
the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth. I want you to see the analogy here. Faith is put against gold and it's being described as more precious than gold. So, uh, um, and, and, and in our Revelations 3, we see gold that is tried in the fire. Now, look at this again. Uh, that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Amen? I hope you are beginning to see some connection with this scripture. It says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. And First Peter 1, 7 is saying that, that the trial of your faith be much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I think Jesus was talking also, amongst many things, about faith, their faith. It means this, their lukewarmness was, was stemming out of unfaithfulness or, if you like, faithlessness. These were people who were living sensual lives. They had all the things that they needed. And so they were not exercising faith for anything. That's one of the, the, the sad commentaries that... Uh, we can make about physical wealth. When you have so much physical wealth or you accumulate so much material wealth and you get to the point where you do not have a need for many things physical, you, you tend not to need to exercise faith. I hope you understand what I'm saying. For instance, if you've got um, what, if you've got and um, 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 what, you've got a nice house or you've got houses. I wonder if you will ever pray and exercise any kind of faith for a house. You've got a house, so why would you pray for a house right now? Some of us have some things, and those things that we have, do we exercise faith praying for them? No, we don't. We simply have got it, and so we don't. And so this was the state of the church. They were not exercising faith. And, 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 and Jesus was recommending to them that faith is more precious than the gold that you say you have. And particularly the trial of your faith. Because the trial of your faith is faith that is taken through fire. And that is like gold that is tried in fire. In the physical, when we look at gold, 
Gold comes with a lot of impurities, but these impurities are usually easily oxidized by fire. So when gold is being purified, it is just heated to a high temperature. And most of those impurities will just burn themselves out of it. And what is left is refined gold. It is pure gold. This is exactly the process. So they were not, they did not have opportunity to have their faith tested because they believed they had everything. So this is the danger of wealth. This is the danger of wealth. And, 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 and when you look at it, last week I was saying that if this is what wealth makes you do, then probably we don't exactly want it, if this is what it does. Of course, there are rich people who possibly are able to manage this better. I don't know. But there are a lot of scriptures about wealth, the physical rich, riches, and, and, and what they do to men. Uh, and we ought to be very careful about inordinate wealth. Um, there's too much uh, uh, negative commentary about inordinate wealth. Um, uh, and so Jesus' counsel, let me stick with the text. Jesus' counsel was gold tried in fire. And I'm looking at First Peter 1 verse 7, and I'm saying that one of the ways in which you can look at it is that it is Faith, it is like faith, because faith is more precious than gold, you know. And when your faith is tried through the fire, then it, it becomes very rich faith. And then, and then Jesus will describe you as rich. Remember that when you have faith, as small as a mustard seed, you can speak to a mountain and it will move. Now think about it. Who of the richest, who amongst the richest men on this planet can speak to a mountain and then the mountain will move. None of them. None of the people that are, uh, are rich. Yesterday, Jeff Bezos of Amazon, was uh, uh, his net worth grew by 13 billion United States dollars. Can, 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 can you think of that? Net worth grew in a day by 13 billion United States dollars. And yet, Jeff Bezos cannot speak to a mountain and say, be moved from here into the sea. He can't do that. And so, though he is rich materially here, he may be poor. Because maybe his faith is so small. I don't know. I cannot be his judge. But the point is that this seems to be a measure of faith. That's the point I'm really driving hard. It is faith that is required. And again, there are the ideas of purity, purity, which are encapsulated in the trying of gold by fire. The whole objective of that process is to render pure to render pure, to make pure. Now, I want you to look at some scriptures here. I didn't put these scriptures on the slides. Uh, I'm sorry about that because the 
the time was uh, running against me so much. Now, in Rev um, I'll read these scriptures very quickly. I just want you to see how purity is connected with heavenly things. Okay, Revelation 15 verse 6, And the seven angels came out of the temple, having seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen. This was the dressing of the angels. It is described as pure and white. So the word pure is there. All right? This, these are heavenly beings, and they needed to be clothed in pure and white linen. And then look at Revelations 21, verse 18. 21, verse 18. And it says, And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. Again, this is a description of a heavenly city. And he's saying that the city was like pure gold. That word pure comes again there and is describing gold. Interesting, isn't it? And he's saying that it's like unto glass. This is pure gold. Revelations 21, uh, 21. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold. Again, heavenly dwelling is describing it and is, is talking about pure gold once again. And then uh, Revelation 22 verse 1 says, And he showed me a pure river of water, of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now, these are descriptions of heavenly places and as you see the word pure is so important in that description it looks like where the lord jesus is taking us everything there is pure 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 and there is gold gold pure gold pure gold pure gold no wonder he's counseling the laodicean church to buy gold tried in the fire no wonder he's doing this. So church, I need to end here uh, for the sake of time, but I want you to understand that his first counsel to us, his first counsel to us is that we must get to buy pure gold so that we will be rich. Tonight, every one of us on this call, if you are you want to be rich, and I know many of us want to be rich. Let us understand that this rich or this wealth that Jesus is talking about has something to do with faith. It does have something to do with faith. And it's about also faith that we patiently allow to be tested. So whatever you are going through, that is your faith being tested. And when you have gone through that test, remember, you will come out refined and you will be rich. God bless you so, so much. Next week, by God's grace, we will look at the, three, uh, the two other aspects of this scripture. I think it's an amazing piece of scripture. I don't know how you see it, but I find it really, really wonderful. God bless us all for tonight. 
God bless us. Shall we bow our heads once again? Our Father, we want to thank you for tonight. We bless you that, Lord, you have shown us some amazing things in your word tonight. We are praying, Lord Jesus, that you will continue to touch us, continue to illumine our minds, Father, that these truths we will understand and we will not be lukewarm for this reason, so that, Lord, at your appearing, we will be gathered unto you. We thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray with thanksgiving. And all the saints shall say, Amen. Amen.